From deep inside the Death Star, I'm Andrew Richards. And I'm Gov Maharaj. And welcome to Defrag Tools, the show that takes you inside Windows and inside Microsoft. This week we have Ghost back again. We're continuing our little mini-series on Windows Update and Windows Upgrade, kind of like the big and small version of, of getting software in your box. We're going to delve into some of the logging today. So let's begin, yeah? Yeah, so um, most often uh, people should have seamless upgrades and updates. Uh, like uh, Andrew uh, mentioned, we're going to be doing more of the upgrade stuff and talking about the logs, how to gather the logs, where are they, um, and basically kind of the steps uh, that are taken during the upgrade process. When upgrades are performed either manually or through Windows Update, um, the ESD or the Electronic Service Delivery Mechanism. That's a cool acronym. ESD. ESD. <laughs> it, it's uh, the WIM file. It's, it's the entire setup. It's like the ISO that's just packaged down and uh, brought down to your box uh, through Windows Update or via the media. It's all pretty much the same. It's just command, different command lines that are used to uh, extract and uh, execute. But anyways, those logs uh, prior to the actual upgrade completing are stored in a hidden directory on the root of your C drive. And now, of course, I'm not in the progress of doing an upgrade, so I'm not going to show you where those logs are. But they are at uh, the root of C, uh, C colon backslash, dollar sign, windows, period, tilde, bt, backslash, sources, backslash, panther. So is that BT folder a by default a hidden folder? Or is it, it is a hidden folder yeah. uh, by, by default. So uh, it'll probably be system and hidden, right? Are the two attributes probably on it? Yeah. Yep. Usually I, I look at them uh, either through the command line or I you know just navigate directly there, then you don't have to yeah. worry about it. Uh, of course, I've memorized that path. Uh, so if you, I'm sorry, but if you just go delete that folder, mm -hmm as in while you're mid-upgrading. It's mm -hmm. just going to fail the upgrade and it will try mm -hmm. again. Because yep. I've, 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 every once in a while, I've seen the phone going, oh, that's just rubbish hanging around, delete, right? And made the mistake of being a little bit too overzealous. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not something you should do, obviously, but Correct. the Windows can recover from that mistake. The only problem with that is that uh, because you've now deleted the ESD, you're going to have to take the entire download all over again. Yep. Um, it's obviously not the best method of trying to stop your upgrade. Don't screw around with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you had to do that, if you're in the middle of an upgrade and something was going wrong, for example. So if you ever have to kill the upgrade in process, or sorry, in progress, uh, just start up Task Manager. Uh, and again, I'm not in an upgrade process right now, so you won't be able to see it. But there'll be a, a setup process or a setup host process. Kill those and then go delete your uh, dollar sign Windows BT till BT folder. Um, but before that, obviously look at log files. Well, <laughs> that's uh, it, you'd only do that if you're trying to kill an upgrade in progress for yeah. some strange reason. I don't know why you'd want to do that. Yeah. Uh, if you have a failed upgrade that has so you're trying to upgrade your OS and it's failed, you're not getting there. Um, if you go into the Windows tilled BT sources Panther directory. And we'll have that in the notes. We'll behind. have it in the notes. Uh, you'll see all of the log files that you could ever possibly want to go and diagnose uh, what's going wrong. So is this BT folder, is it going to be on the OS drive? So if for some weird reason you have your OS drive as D or E drive, it would be on that disk or is it always going to be locked to C? Well, so if you recall, we made a change back in Windows 8 
where we're you're not even allowed to change your system drive oh, okay. to uh, anything else. So it's always going to be C. Whenever you boot up a, a Windows uh, OS, no matter if you have a multiple, well, if you have multiple partitions, that's going to be slightly different. But single partition, regular drive is always going to be C. Okay. So regardless of which partition it is, we're going to make that partition look like C. Yep. And what may have been C over here is going to be now D or E or Correct. not mapped. Okay. And now, unless you do some, again, additional things, different command lines in order to move stuff around, that's where it'll always be. Now, from an app compat point of view, please still use the environment variable, right? For the OS system drive? Correct. Don't hard code C colon backslash B. Correct. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, so C, C drive, BT, we've got the log files. Got the log files. Now, as a first step through, are you are you ever really going to want to parse log files manually, especially if you're looking at a whole bunch of them? I, I can't say it's a thing I, I yearn to do. Right. We, we like to automate these kinds of things. So we have a nice tool, and we will share this um, link in the notes, uh, for something called Setup Diag. And this tool that you can download, uh, it will parse the log files and it will tell you uh, if there's any issues. And the wonderful thing about this is that you can point to not only the logs prior to um, the upgrade, if, if something fails, you can point to them after the upgrade. So you can have, you can certainly have different issues post-upgrade, and this will tell you about them in a post-upgrade scenario as well. And you can point them to uh, the log files where they're stored after the upgrade, when they won't be in the uh, BT folder. They'll be in your system drive, Windows Panther directory. Panther. Um, How'd they get that name? Do you know the history of that? It's just a code name that has just lived on and on since at least Vista. Cool. It's a good name. <laughs> it is. It, it is one of the cooler uh, code names that we have that has actually persisted. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, the contents of the Panther directory, the ones that are most important are uh, the uh, comp data, the compact data, XMLs, but again, you tend not to want to parse those directly. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, appraiser files, and ultimately, the one that you're going to want to look at is the uh, forget all this prefix, appraiser, find human readable. Whenever I see the word human readable, that makes me happy. <laughs> now, there's a lot of information in there, yeah. um, and this one will really tell you about issues that are blocking the upgrade from occurring. Uh, and we'll go into the individual files in later episodes. Yeah. But um, the other fundamentally most important file for setup is the setup act log. And to some extent, and this has a bunch of caveats, the setup error log. So is that a filtering of the act log? Exactly. Yeah. So the one of the problems that, uh, of course, I have to be an admin in order to open it. You need our command prompt. I do. Do wiki. That's a good way of getting an administration. Um, it's, it's actually quite good. It's not funny. It's actually a very good way of, uh, without destroying the, the the permissions on the file, oh. doing the right thing to, to get to it. Yeah, I, I really, really, really try not to hack the ACLs on the Windows directory. Yeah. Um, it has, and anytime you change the ACLs, this is another interesting aside. So you have your default OS, 
people, I've heard this many, many times over the years, I want to modify the ACL so that regular users can do this, or I want to modify the ACLs to restrict admins from doing this. Mm -hmm. um, and anytime you do that, that becomes inherently an untested configuration. And because it's an untested configuration, you're essentially in an unknown area. You don't know what You've might fail later on. You've gone down the edge case rabbit hole. That's right. Like there is a there is a real fundamental reason why we like having defaults. They're much easier to debug. Yeah. Right. Somebody says they have a problem. Great. What do you want to do when you have a problem? You want to repro the problem. If you can't repro the problem on your end, now you're suddenly having to deal with that customer's machine. Yeah. Then you have to see, okay, how many machines is it actually happening on? Yeah. Is it only over there? Wonderful. Okay, so now how do we go and debug it uh, and you know gather logs and all that kind of stuff? And the cost is skyrockets. Yeah. Exactly. So, anyways, we're going in here and we're going to go find the setup act file. And if you noticed, uh, error act. Uh, well, let's look at here. Um, I elevated a notepad first so that I can actually read this file because it was in the Windows directory. I could, of course, copy it out, change the ACLs, and then go um, look in the files. The setup error log file, as you can see, this was a good migration from my previous OS, which I believe I had uh, 1709 uh, upgraded to 1803. Upgrade went without a hitch, and yet there are a bunch of errors in the log file. And we can see that Windows BT folder throughout there. It's more, more on the right there. Yep. Uh, see that. What's the BT stand for, do you know? Before, before something, before transform, before transmog, before, before something. <laughs> um, now, because you see a bunch of errors here, you might think, well, crap, the upgrade did not go through correctly. Yeah, so GLE is get last error, which is a standard Windows call. It's a way of getting error codes. And yeah, A004005 is access denied, because I'm a nerd and I know that. Mm -hmm. um, actually, it's interesting that the line above it, we have a 8022008. It's even shown us the name of the facility, and we talked about facilities in the HRESOLT episode a couple of episodes ago. So, uh, yeah, so what's, how do you approach this? So most of these are, in fact, not real errors. They're not hard errors. Uh, what setup will do is internally they'll say, oh, this is an error, and then they'll have an override to say it's actually an OK error. It doesn't mm -hmm. uh, proceed through. Now, if you <coughs> had an error, you would start off at the end. You'd see you know, when, this, when the last error occurred. And then what I tend to do is go back and find the corresponding error mm. in the setup act log. So the act log is a superset, obviously, of what's the uh, error log. Yes, very efficient way of looking at it. You kind of like high speed search down to the issue and then let's go back to the raw data and, um, and approach it. Kind of the same approach you do with uh, process monitor when you're looking at some type of file problem. You go, yep. okay, here's the file issue, give me, show me all the errors, and then, okay, let's see the events leading up to that that may have caused that. Right, it, it, it's not just the ones leading up to it, it's the ones that are after it as well. Okay. Because you might have an error, and this again tells you what errors are important and what errors are not important. Is if you have an error, and we'll show this um, right here. Let's, in fact, just find... You just find the whole line, I guess? Yeah, so. we'll find the whole line. 
Does Notepad have uh, Control Shift support, where it, it jumps one word at a time, left and right? No, no. I believe it does. Yeah. So if you're doing a, a, an operation like that, you hold down Control and Shift as you're dragging right, and it will jump one word at a time each time it hits a block of words. So it kind of speeds up the selection process. Right. So here we jumped to the last error in the file that we had. Yep. Uh, and we see. Lots more spew above it, lots more uh, lots tail. So this was during the migration phase. Um, but we'll also see that it ended fine. It, it had a failure, but it was a non-fatal error and it just kept on going. Yeah. So you can kind of see that information error uh, interplay at the front there. Right, and all of the ones that are error are obviously the ones that get filtered out, filtered out to the setup error log. It's you know, like you redirect standard error, set yeah. it out, right? Good analogy. Does this get logged anywhere else? Is it only in the log file? Is it does it persist in some ETW event as well or anything like that that you might setup use? has some ETW events, but this log file encompasses everything. I suppose because it, it survives reboots and stuff, and it's not tied to the old OS, and so and also you know ETW is real time rather than logging, and so yeah, it's really the only persistent way of looking at it. Correct, uh, and this is the most important one to look at, uh, but not the only one to look at. Uh, again, this is good to tell you about issues that are happening the, during setup. Uh, it will also add into the error log uh, afterwards the different phases of setup. So you have the down level phase, you have the install phase that happens in an offline mm -hmm. state, and then you have the post install phase in Ubi. And in the end, during, uh, when a successful upgrade has occurred, it will log everything ultimately Finalizing. <laughs> Finalizing. Yeah. It, it, it'll, it'll tell you that everything is good. Um, so this log file is pretty awesome, and you can obviously read it and, and do it. But so what's the tool do for you? How does this setup.diag.exe help you here? So the setup.diag.exe is going to parse this file and is going to look at all of the errors, and it, it knows which errors are important, fatal versus non-fatal errors. Mm -hmm. It'll help you narrow down what... Um, what things to go look for. It'll help look for um, compatibility issues that show up in the log file. It will help you um, find uh, disk space issues, product key issues, anything that is going to take a long time to filter you know, when you're looking for each individual error, it, it helps filter out all those non-fatal errors. Mm -hmm. and so this, if you start an install and say, it, uh, you do it more interactively with the mm -hmm. setup to exe, and you get into the install and it says, no, I can't even continue, hasn't mm -hmm. These logs will be generated up yep. to that point, yep. and you can just open it up and find out what, if it doesn't, if the screen's not clear enough, what, what the underlying problem is. And ditto, if it rolls back, if yes. it goes through and rolls back, same, same deal? So uh, I will show you that, again, in the, um, now, obviously, the rollback folder doesn't exist here in a successful upgrade. In a non-successful upgrade, if it rolls back, there is a sibling folder to the uh, tilde bt sources panther directory. It'll be the tilde bt sources rollback directory. Okay, and we'll put that in the notes, of course. Right, the rollback directory, <coughs> and uh, in a future show, I'll take a look at uh, what's in a rollback directory and, and the type of information that'll, cool. that'll be shown there. Um, typically, what happens in a rollback is uh, you'll fail 
in the offline phase after you've rebooted into WinPE. And you can fail there for a number of reasons. You can have a bug check. Mm-hmm. You could have the machine powered off by the user for, for whatever reason. That's probably like holding down the power button or something like that. Yeah. Um, and you'll look in the rollback directory to find those memory dumps, those ETLs that happened in that offline phase, mm-hmm. and an additional setup log, setup act log, and a setup error log. Not only documenting the rollback, but rollback itself is a phase of setup. Mm-hmm. So you'll have the logging of the rollback action, so how it properly rolled you back. Yeah. There's an infinite uh, retryability here, right? We we try. To go around a couple of times, then we fail, right? I mean, we have some recoverability steps yeah, during so, setup. So if recover fails, I'm saying yes. Yeah. Okay. So if there are sometimes fatal issues that will cause a setup failure, and setup will recognize that failure and say, "Well, let me retry it in a different way. Mm-hmm. See if we can keep going." Um, for example, we might not inject all the same drivers. Okay. Uh, during the upgrade phase, for example, we have to migrate boot critical drivers, storage drivers, things of that nature in order to say, well, this is the safest possible. We have to get to hardware. We have to get to hardware. And we believe that we need these drivers in order to boot that hardware. Mm-hmm. Now, in cases of failures, we might say, well, let's get rid of this particular driver and then keep going and then retry it again. Yeah. Uh, but more often than not, we will simply fail. It'll be a fatal failure. We'll mm-hmm. roll back, throw up the error code. Um, hopefully, it's if it's a bug check, then you'll have the setup yeah. uh, setup mem.dmp, uh, which you can just crack open in in WinDBG. Bang on lies minus V. It. Yep. Now we get that telemetry, so we obviously look into these things. And that's how we. And know. that's that's the other wonderful thing is that in case of setup failures, we cab up the setup act log. We get all of these yep. logs. And that gets sent up over Watson as well, yeah. and that gets analyzed. If you open up the event log, you'll see a Windows offline report, and that offline report will have the bug check parameters in it, so you know what went wrong. And we'll blame, we'll see, tell you who who we blame in the event log. So you'll see the driver name right there. So it's pretty easy to go. You know what? Before I do an upgrade, let's update this driver. And there's one extremely common scenario where we will not produce a memory dump, but we do bug check, is when. Um, we can't access the disk. Mm-hmm. So two cases that I know where we can't access the disk is um, you have uh, a hybrid disk controller. So the type of hybrid disk where it's both flash memory and spinning drive. Mm. And there were some older Win 7 and Win 8 machines that had a funky Funky combination, funky driver. This tend to be blocked. like this tend to be like like one terabyte drives that had like 128 gig of or of, of SSD ish yeah. type memory. Yep. Gave the illusion of SSD without the cost of SSD at that time. That that era particularly. And it, the the view of the drive was a merged drive. Yes. Right. And that made things much more complicated. Without this driver, it would look like you have the very very small flash drive as a particular drive, and then your one terabyte drive is a completely separate drive. Mm. Um, and the other case is with um, disk encryption software. So okay. uh, if you reboot into WinPE and your drive is encrypted, and we don't normally take that particular driver if it's not an actual disk class driver. Mm. So there are certain types of filter drivers or just certain types of drivers that you can use, for example, that are not BitLocker, but other third-party uh, disk encryption utilities where uh, we won't project them into the WinPE 
phase, and then we'll bug check, you can't boot because you can't read the disk, and then we'll roll back. Now we can get past that uh, in Win 10, I believe RS1 supported a reflect drivers command line switch. And if you knew your disk encryption software um, driver, you could copy those drivers into a particular location, reflect those drivers uh, into the PE phase, and then you'd be able to upgrade. Yeah. There's, um, there's actually metadata on the motherboard itself. We work closely with uh, the big major vendors out there and make sure that the firmware itself has stuff in it. And you know, as time goes on, more and more of this raw log data of what went wrong. So if it's a more physical hardware problem rather than a driver problem. You're talking about the UEFI persistence yeah. variables. Yeah. UEFI persistence, ACPI tables, blah, 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 blah. And uh, SEL, system event logs, mm -hmm. is the other code name for it. And so, yeah, over time we, we get more and more insights so we can be deeper and deeper into the hardware and still, and still diagnose it. So, you know, Microsoft invests in this stuff a lot with Silicon Partners and, um, you know, it's all about making it the best experience. Well, it's a, really about the fact that we can't rely on being able to repro everything. Mm -hmm. we, we just can't scale to do that. Nobody could scale to do that. Yeah. And it's better for everybody involved that as failures occur, we get the telemetry back. We can analyze the telemetry, figure out what's wrong, push out fixes before anybody else sees it. Yeah. So with your experience with these log files, how intuitive have you found the answer? Is it, does it kind of scream at you what the answer is? Or do you still need a bit of experience? Oh, you know, mixed bag? it's kind of like the Mad Hatter screaming at you. Uh, you, you. You hear the screams. Sometimes the screams are unintelligible. Sometimes they are, depending on your frame of mind mm. and perhaps how much you've had to drink. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those things that you probably need a bit of experience. You're not going to probably ace it the first time. No, um, and in fact, what I like to do is um, look at multiple logs. Uh, if it's from the same machine, mm -hmm. uh, that's fine. Uh, sometimes there are errors that are transient that show up in the logs that might send you down the wrong path. Mm. Uh, so if you have a machine, a singular machine that's having upgrade issues, I tend to want to look at multiple logs. If you can't figure it out, obviously, from the first pass of the log, mm -hmm. right? Try it out and see if you can get more consistent errors. Um, remove the stuff, basically separate the chaff from the wheat, mm. right? If you have multiple machines, same idea, right? Yeah. Diversity look, always helps. Yeah. It, it just helps you set a baseline and level set. Yeah. Um, what I, again, the other thing that I like to tend to do is keep my log files from all of my upgrades, you know, I'll just save them off and see, mm. you know, what types of issues have I seen or will I see in the future? Um, maybe there is something that got logged interesting into a log file in a previous upgrade. Yeah, you used the word baseline before. It's very good, very good to have a baseline for these type of things. Very cool. So, I think that's probably this much. Is set up to really the end of this episode. Next time, what will we talk about? Next time, uh, migration. Migration. That's a key. What's a migration mean? So my, what migration means, and we touched upon this in the previous episode a little bit, uh, when a new OS gets laid down, we literally plop down the new OS and we take stuff from the old OS. So it's kind of like putting a new hard drive in, really. A yes. virtual hard drive, you may, you may want to call it that. 
And it's like, here's my brand new box, here's my brand new one from the OEM, mm -hmm. and we laid it down as best we can. Mm -hmm. And we know what the OEM wants to be injected, right? Mm -hmm. So it kind of is like an OEM image mm -hmm. rather than a Microsoft image. And then we're going to talk about the, let's bring the Android additions to the, to the party. Let's move Andrew's apps across, let's do that Exactly. Stuff. Awesome. That sounds like a good show for next time. Thank you guys for visiting. As always, put your comments below. Uh, follow us on CH9 and also at DefragTools on Twitter. And email us at DefragTools at Microsoft.com or DefragShow at Microsoft.com. And we will see you next week. Take care.